This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 824. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 824. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. I hope that wherever you are, your week is off to a good start. And if you're listening not on a Monday, I hope your day is off to a great start or you're closing out your day in a great way. So wherever you're at, whenever you're listening to this, I'm glad that you're here. I love being in your ear and I take it really seriously is a big honor that I get to spend time with you. I get a lot of messages where people say, I feel like we're best friends because I've listened to every episode. And I always say, I love being best friends with you because I know there's intimacy that comes with this podcast experience that's really unique to the podcast experience. So it's always a really big pleasure to be here with you in this space. And I do feel like we're here together every time I hit record. So I'm happy to be here today. I also want to mention there's a new algorithm. Algorithms? Oh, algorithms. So there's a new algorithm in Apple Podcasts that tracks downloads a little bit differently. And so if you are listening to this episode and you listen to the show typically on Apple Podcasts, just make sure that you're following the show. So when you go into your Apple Podcast player and you click on the Shameless Mom Academy, there should be like a little plus button to add the show to your feed or a little like down arrow that says like, you know, 
download new episodes kind of a thing so that you're actually subscribing to the show. The reason that's really helpful is it because it Apple will track your downloads then and credit the show, which helps us get more highly ranked and allows us to get more exposure to the show. It also helps us get better ad deals with the show in terms of being able to bring you ad partners that you love and good deals that you love. So it benefits everyone when we're all subscribers. So just a little shout out promotion for that as well. And now we're going to dig into all the good stuff. So we're going to talk today about thoughts versus facts. And this is something that is always present, but it's been funny slash interesting how it's shown up in my life recently in a handful of different ways. And I'm going to talk you through those different ways. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking to someone on the phone and they were talking about going to a therapist for the first time. And they said, one of the things the therapist said to me that is our thoughts are not facts. And I was like, yes, that's so true. And I've done episodes on thought work before. And I've talked about how thoughts lead to feelings and emotions, which leads to beliefs, which leads to action or inaction. And so when this person said this to me, I was like, yes. And it was something I hadn't processed with someone else in a while. And so as we were sitting there processing, I was having a lot of fun with it because to me talking through thoughts versus facts versus emotions, beliefs, action or taking action all feels kind of like a fun mathematical equation. And it's really, I think, helpful when you're talking about it objectively, when you're not in the middle of a really hard moment. So when we can talk about this, when we're not in the middle of a really hard moment, I think it can help us when we are in the middle of a hard moment, realizing that we have the opportunity to handle things differently than maybe we have in the past. So when you think about your thoughts, I want you to think about how you typically manage your thoughts. Because a lot of us, a thought comes into our head, and we immediately and very subconsciously decide that we're going to honor the thought. So the thought comes in our head. And without thinking about whether or not it's true, or whether or not it's a helpful thought, we give it space. And so this can happen with a lot of different things that can be really positive. So a thought comes in your head like, I'm going to go get that workout done. And then you go get the workout done. That thought was great, right? But other thoughts can happen where you maybe you're in a text exchange with someone and they say something and you can't quite read the tone. So your thought is, oh my gosh, I think they're mad at me, but I'm not really sure. And then that takes up the whole rest of your day. So not really a helpful thought, right? And so when we get stuck in, when we have default thoughts that lead to self-doubt or self-criticism, we can get ourselves in big trouble because we are allowing our thoughts to take up however much space they want to take up without determining if our thoughts are actually credible and or worthy of our time and energy. So if you're a person like me who manages anxiety on a pretty regular basis, we can be pretty prone to letting thoughts jump in at any given time, and take up as much space as they want. And we can get caught up in loops with our thoughts where we decide to honor a thought that leads us to other thoughts that are not productive. And this can take over our ability to show up and work through healthy thoughts in our head in order to get through the day. And so this can happen in a million different ways. It actually happened to me this morning in a couple ways. So I'm going to talk through some examples. So first thing that happened this morning, or one of the first things that happened is I had sent a message to a family member making some plans for the holidays or to multiple family members, but making plans for the holidays, people I love, adore, I'm so excited to spend holiday time with them. And one of the things I asked about, they one of the people on the thread pushed back on and not in like a totally respectful and appropriate way. But I immediately had this thought like, oh, 
my question or my suggestion, it it wasn't a good suggestion. Like, oh, why did I even think that? Like they might've been uncomfortable having to like push back and say, actually, that might not work very well for us. And I went through this whole process. Like, why did you ask that question? Why did you put them on the spot? You should have thought it through to recognize that like this might be challenging for them. And I went down this whole rabbit hole. And then I was like, what am I doing? And I caught myself and realized that I was telling myself this whole story about how I had like totally put this person out and they were like, I shouldn't have done that. And it put them on the spot and they were probably so uncomfortable. And I went back and looked at the message again. And I was like, this message, like I can choose to read it that like they felt really put on the spot or I can choose to read it as like a very emotionally mature person said like, hey, that might not work very well. Could we do it this way instead? And they might have had no emotion around it. Like they might have been like, I mean, we'd prefer A versus B, but like, let us know what you think. And I took it as like, oh my gosh, like I offended them by asking the question. A very emotionally immature thought, by the way. (laughs) And so when we look at examples like this, and this happens all the time in communication, we can often, especially for anxious people, jump to this conclusion like, I can't believe I did that. And that was so stupid and blah, 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 blah. And we like go down this rabbit hole and give it all this time and energy and get really either really self-conscious about it or like overly weirdly apologetic to something that we don't need to apologize for. Like we didn't actually make a mistake, do any harm, do anything wrong. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. And the other person doesn't even realize that anything weird went down because they were just navigating their day as like a reasonable, emotionally mature human being. So that was the first thing that happened where I caught myself like, why am I being so hard on myself about asking this question and like asking for people to accommodate something over the holidays? Like people have a right to say yes or no. They said, you know, that this wouldn't be their preference in a super appropriate kind way. Like, what am I doing? So that was the first thing. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. 
This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. Then the next thing that happened that has been happening over the last few days, actually, but it was ongoing this morning, was being on a group text thread with a group of mom friends. And when I'm on a group text thread with mom friends, I always feel a lot of responsibility. Again, anxious mind here. I feel a lot of responsibility to make sure that everyone in the group feels really like cared for and seen and heard. And so as I see messages coming in, sometimes I'll think, oh my gosh, like, I wonder if this person perceived that that way and then they're feeling bad. Or I wonder if this person feels left out or I notice this person hasn't chimed in. Are they mad? All these things, right? And if you are like a micromanager control kind of person who also is anxious like me and also wants to always make sure that everyone's happy and comfortable, like this is just a recipe for disaster. Like being on a group thread for anything, it's just a recipe for disaster, right? So I was noticing as I was getting ready and I saw text stuff coming in and I didn't have time to respond because I'm like getting ready, trying to get Vinny out the door for school. And I had to catch myself and be like, why do you think you're responsible for everyone on this thread? Like who said that Sarah needs to make sure that everyone is being taken care of? This is a group of grown ass people who can take care of their own needs on a text thread. (laughs) Like, No one voted for you to be the group caretaker. So just sit down and stop worrying about it. And I realized, oh, I don't have to chime in on this immediately. Or I don't have to side text someone and be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? (laughs) Did you? Now, maybe there are times when that's appropriate or helpful or supportive, but not every time. You can just let conversations be had amongst adults and not feel like you have to go in and be the person that's going to make it okay for everyone. So I had to, again, look at like, what are my thoughts doing right now? And is this helpful? So what I found myself in both of those situations was having to assess like thoughts versus facts that I'm jumping to these conclusions around my thoughts and letting them take up all the space. And they're not based in fact. So with the thing with my family members for the holidays, like 
there was no fact to back up the idea that like everyone's really mad at Sarah because she asked for something really inappropriate. Like literally no facts. Also, there's no member of my family that would actually say or think that. And then when it came to this group thread, I was having all these thoughts. And again, no facts. Like there's no facts to support that Sarah should jump in whenever things get, whenever there's confusion on a group text or whenever like, you know, um, opinions differ between people on a group text. There's no facts. Like I said, nobody voted for me to be like the chair of the group text. I've just decided that someone should take that role and maybe it should be me. Like no facts, zero facts there. So I want you to think about where you let your thoughts get in your way when there's no facts to support them. I was talking with a client this morning as I kicked off my day and she was talking to me about getting a new client and she was so excited about this new client. But it's a client who's a little bit different than her typical client base that she works with. And when she was talking about this client, she was saying like, there's so many ways I think I can help this person. I'm really excited about it. I'm so honored to have the opportunity. I think this could be really, really great. And then she said, but you know, this is a little different than it's kind of an extension or an expansion of the kind of clients I usually work with. And like, what if it doesn't work out? And how am I going to handle it? So she works with children and she was like, what if I can't meet this kid's needs? And it came up kind of multiple times. It's actually kind of part of an ongoing conversation we've had multiple times about this situation, like being really excited about it, then also kind of having this doubt around like, what if I can't do it? And so I was encouraging her to kind of unravel some of this and recognizing like where her thoughts are getting in her way. And then also what's the impact of that? So she has no facts to support that she can't support this child. There's actually a ton of facts that point to the fact that she very likely could support this child in so many ways in terms of her background, her education, her experience, things that she specialized in the past, incredible results that she's had with other clients recently, like all these different things, very much facts that support that she could do a lot of great things for this child. But instead, she's looking for evidence, like just in case, what if I can't? And we do this all the time. All of us do this, right? We go for a promotion or we decide to put ourselves out there in a certain way. And then we're like, oh my gosh, like what if I'm not good enough? Or what if I can't meet the need? Or what if I'm like not the right fit? And so I invited her to look at this really objectively. And I said, well, first of all, I don't think that's true. I don't think that you're not the right fit. And I think you have a lot of evidence to support that you could be a great fit. But also, what would happen if you weren't the right fit? Let's say you start working with this client and you work with them for a little while and you're like, hmm, you know, as it turns out, I'm just not the right person for them. How can you then objectively and neutrally talk yourself through not, oh my gosh, I'm so awful at this and I should have never put myself out there and I should have like, how dare I like think that I could help this child, but instead recognize that not everyone is going to be the right fit for me and I'm not going to be the right fit for everyone. And that's totally okay. And when I engage in an experience to serve a client and I recognize that it's not the right fit or that the client isn't getting what they need or that it just mutually doesn't feel like, you know, it's beneficial in both to myself as a clinician and to my client, then how can you in a really objective and neutral way go to that client or their family and say, I'm not sure this is the right fit and I want to make sure that I'm prioritizing what's best for you or for your child in this case. And so let's look into some other options that might be a better fit. And when you do something like that, it's not you saying like, I'm so awful and I can't believe I even thought I could ever do this. Instead, it's you saying, my professional opinion based on my education and expertise is that your child, it's looking like your child 
or this client needs something different than what I have to offer in my toolkit, different than my specialty. And I want to make sure that your that you or your child, your this client gets whatever they need. So let's find a better option together. And think about how this actually raises integrity and credibility by saying, hmm, maybe I wasn't the right fit. But being able to do that in a really objective way. So I had this with the gym and when I had gym members, and I've had it with clients over the years in various different ways. But when I first number of years running the gym, and when I say number of years, in my first many years running the gym, I had clients where I would feel like maybe they weren't the right fit for things, but I didn't want to like make them feel bad or call them out. And so I would kind of just wait until they determined like this isn't the right fit. And I didn't like the feeling of like, well, I'm just going to take your money or I'm going to let you decide. But I also didn't have the emotional maturity or the skill set to go and say, hey, like I see this happening or I see that like you're paying for this thing, but you're not using it. And I want to make sure that you're getting what you need. And at a certain point, I realized that didn't feel good to me. That didn't feel good to me as a business owner to have a sense that someone wasn't getting what their need, what they needed and not check in with them. And so I finally had a client and this is so helpful when this happens. So when you have a situation where things kind of blow up on you in the moment that can feel incredibly uncomfortable and scary and nerve wracking and really overwhelming and you can kind of go into panic mode, especially if you're an anxious person like me. And I had a situation where a client started a program with us and really nice woman hadn't exercised in a long time. She was in her 50s and she was looking for program that could help her get it back into shape. And we had worked with many women in their 50s at this point to help them get into shape, some of them getting back into shape or some of them getting into shape for the first time ever. So we had had a lot of success with this. So I was like, absolutely, I would love for my team and I to support you. Here's what the program looks like. Here's blah, blah, blah. Gave her all the information. She was really excited. She she signed up. And then pretty quickly, we could see and when she would come to classes that she had a really low frustration tolerance, which is totally to be expected if you haven't exercised in a really long time or really ever exercised consistently at all. And what would happen in her frustration tolerance is, you know, often when we had clients who felt frustrated with things, they would give themselves permission to like, take it down a notch, or maybe, you know, make modifications to make things more manageable or just rest more. There was all sorts of options we would give people to like, let's make this work for you. Like, it's certainly not a one size fits all kind of a thing. But what would happen with this client is, as we made those kinds of offers, she would get more frustrated because she wanted to be able to do kind of what everyone, like the average member of the gym could do. And when she couldn't do that, you could see her internalizing it. You could see her getting really frustrated. But then she also would outwardly express it by like laying down on the floor on her mat. We often had people on yoga mats and she would like pound her fists on the mat. And this would be really, really uncomfortable for the people around her. It was very awkward for the trainers because she was kind of essentially having an adult temper tantrum. Like her energy took up the whole room. So, you know, it's a small class of eight to 12 people. And one person is on their yoga mat pounding their fists and having this really horrible attitude and feeling really frustrated and really not open to feedback or ideas on how to self-cope a little bit better. And so my trainers were like, we don't know what to do with this. And I finally, I wasn't there for a lot of it. I think I have saw just a little bit, little snippets of it happen a couple of times. But my trainers, when I asked them more about it, they were like, it's disruptive. It's really awkward. 
She's not super open to feedback. She's just really emotionally uncomfortable. And so she kind of shuts down and other people are uncomfortable. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we can't have this happening because first of all, I don't want her feeling unsuccessful. Like that is never my goal to just take her money and let her feel like she's failing. And the other thing is I don't want other people feeling uncomfortable and feeling like they're not getting what they want out of the experience because there's someone really struggling next to them who is maybe an outward expression of what a lot of our clients are feeling when they feel frustrated with their bodies. And so I went to the client and I said, hey, it sounds like classes have been pretty challenging. Can you tell me a bit about that? And she, we had a conversation and I said, you know, I think you are totally ready to be exercising regularly. And I love that you're really invested in this. And I think that there's a lot of really great things that your body is ready to do. But I'm not sure that like boot camp and burpees is the right thing right now. And I said, for where you're at right now, I think what would feel good, and it's really important that the exercise that you choose actually feels good. I think what would feel good is maybe something lower impact. And so what about bar or yoga or Pilates, or just traditional strength training that isn't higher impact like boot camp classes, which is what we were offering in, in this package that she bought. And so we had this conversation and I said, I have some really great options for you. I can send you some local businesses right around here that offer these things that have great reputations. And we had this really great conversation where we could mutually agree that this was the better option for her. And what I had to do there is not dig into my thoughts around like, oh my gosh, we can't serve her and I should be able to serve everyone. But I had to look at the facts that the facts are you can't serve everyone and that's okay. Sometimes you're not going to be a good fit and that's okay. Sometimes they're not going to be a good fit for you and that's okay. And recognizing that if you can look at that objectively, it can really shift the dynamic. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So when you find yourself having thoughts where something's not working out and you're like, oh my gosh, it's not working out. And I can't believe that I said this thing or did that thing or didn't do that thing. Or I made a person feel a certain way that may or may not be true. The first thing that we want to do, and I'm going to walk you through this model. This model is largely based on work by Byron Katie, and I'm adapting it a bit here. But the first step is to ask yourself, is this true? So is the thought that I'm having true? Is the thing that my brain is like, oh my God, blah, 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 freaking out about, like, is this thing true? And then asking again, question two, is it absolutely true? Is this thought definitely unequivocally 100% accurate? Or can you see this thought in a different way? Because often when you start to see, start to think that through, you're like, well, actually, like, maybe I'm reading more into this, or maybe I'm being really subjective, or maybe I'm feeling like really sensitive, and I don't need to. And then number three is looking at how is this thought making me feel? So what I found this morning when I was having these thoughts about this text thread and about this family plans over the holidays, and I realized I'm feeling so anxious and I'm feeling really responsible for other people's emotions. And I realized, oh my God, that's not my job. (laughs) It's not my job. It's not my job to be responsible for other people's emotions and how other people respond to things and how other people are feeling in every moment. There's no way that I can be responsible for all that or that any human should be responsible for all that. Like we have to do the best that we can and then let people respond how they're going to respond. And you can't be responsible for that. Now, if you do harm, go apologize and fix it and make it better and make it right and do better moving forward. But you have to really look at how are you feeling and what are you holding on to? And is that productive? So I was able to recognize I'm feeling really anxious around this and I'm taking responsibility for things that are not mine to take responsibility for. And then the fourth part is looking at what else is true? What is a totally different way to see this? Or what is another way that is more likely true than what I'm seeing it? And what would happen if I can step back and look at this from a neutral position or a really objective perspective? And how does that shift things? And for me, that shifts, I mean, that really lets me let go of things. Also, you can think through what would it feel like if I didn't believe this? Because oftentimes our thoughts aren't true. Oftentimes our thoughts aren't fact. And so when I look at like, well, what would it feel like if I didn't believe these things? Suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, I could let go of feeling like anxious or let go of feeling responsible for someone else's feelings that aren't mine to own in a situation that involves other people. And that feels like this big sense of relief. So I want you to think about how those steps relate to you, how you can talk yourself through a thought to ask yourself, like, is this true? Is it really, really true? Are there alternatives to this that could be also true? And then recognizing how is this making me feel? And what are the costs of that? And what would it look like if I saw this in a different way that allowed me to feel and feel differently? We also want to look at how you can start to change your thoughts. And so I want you to think through, I'm going to give you six steps. I'm going to go through them slowly. I'll recap them at the end. And then maybe you can write these down on a post-it as I go, because this also really might help you on a day-to-day basis. So how can we stop those thoughts from even beginning? We have default thoughts that we go to whenever we feel uncomfortable or something feels hard. And this could be anything from like when we're getting dressed or when we're putting on face cream and we're like, oh my gosh, I have wrinkles. What does that mean? (laughs) To an interaction with our kids, interactions with partners, interactions with coworkers, all the things. We have default thoughts that we go to that sometimes slash maybe oftentimes are not healthy or productive. 
So how can we start changing those default thoughts? How can we start to catch ourselves? So the first thing is, do not let yourself tell yourself or talk to yourself in a way that you wouldn't talk to other people. So when you get really self-conscious and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I'm so stupid. I should have never done that, blah, 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 blah. Would you say that to your child or your best friend or your sister or your partner or your mother? Probably not. So catching yourself as you're beating yourself up to recognizing, to recognize like, oh, wow, like I'm, this is not healthy. There is, I should not be beating myself up. So that's catching the default thought. So first thing is like, don't tell yourself things you wouldn't tell other people. Catch the default thought is number two. So catching that default thought and recognizing like, oh, this is my default thought. I went there again. Okay, we're not doing that today. Number three is evaluating the thoughts objectively and rationally. I'm thinking this because of this, or I'm thinking this because this is where I tend to go, but I'm going to shift that now. I'm going to sit here for a minute and intentionally shift that. Number four is asking, is the thing I'm thinking a fact or is this my default thought or a thought that tends to come to me that is not actually productive and not actually true? When we talk through those four steps of discerning, like, is this actually a thought or is this thought a fact? And then number five is asking what else could be true? So asking, I'm reading this thing in, what else could be true? And then number six, this is a really important part, finding evidence that supports the other things being true. So when I think through the situation with my family for the holidays, for example, what else is true or what what can be true that I have evidence around is that whenever we ask each other for favors or lean on each other, we are always really honest with each other because we love each other so much and we honor each other so much. And when we do that, we always end up having the best experiences together. And I know that I would never want someone to like not honor themselves because they were honoring a request from me. Evidence that supports other things being true when it come came to that gym member, that the other things that are true is that boot camp is not going to be the right fit for every woman in her 50s. And that's totally fine. And that was a strong belief that I had. I did not at all think that my programs were like the be all end all programs for all women in Seattle when I had my gym. So I know that it is true that I'm not going to be able to meet everyone's needs. And that's okay. And that there's other great things that I can look like a better business owner and a better professional if I go to someone and say, hey, this might not be the right fit. And I'd really love to help you find the right fit. So it's really important to me that you get what you need right now. And when I was able to recognize that being true, oh my gosh, it allowed me to see how I can be the consummate professional in any situation because I don't have to always be the person that can do everything right or meet everyone's needs. So where can you find that evidence that supports other things to be true? So again, how to start changing your thoughts. Number one, don't let yourself tell yourself you wouldn't tell other people. Number two, catch that default thought or those default thoughts that you often defer to. Three, evaluate your thoughts objectively and rationally. Number four, after you evaluate them, really asking yourself or as part of evaluating them, asking yourself, is this thought a fact? Number five, asking what else can be true. And then number six is finding evidence that supports the other things being true. I hope this episode was helpful. Please share it out. And as you're processing this, know that, as I mentioned before, like my thoughts get in my way all the time. So you are not alone. And know that I am obviously in this with you always. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash 
Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 